to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. preach a message that I've entitled, You Must Be Born Again. And next Sunday, God's already dealt with me. I'm going to come back and preach again on redemption and and salvation and another subject. I can't get away from it. And listen, in this world that we're living in, and with everything that's going on, there's only one hope, and that hope is Jesus. And there's something this world needs. This world needs Jesus. Politicians aren't going to fix it. Other things aren't going to make it better. This world needs Jesus. And we have the answer and we have the good news and we've got to be able to share it. So I want to talk today about what it means to be born again. It's a subject that people hear about but maybe don't understand. So in John chapter 3, I want to read verses 1 through 8. It's a story. So hang in here with me. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, Now wait a minute, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Because that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. And so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Thank you. You can be seated. Recently, I made a decision. Um, This is something new for me, to purchase a 1967 Ford Mustang and have it restored. I've never done anything like this before. This is new for me. But I'm kind of excited. I went to school every day in a 1967 Ford Mustang when I was a teenager. And so I'm kind of excited about this. But while it's new for me, there are men in this church, some sitting in here right now, that are very experienced in restoring old cars. It's what they do. And when they acquire a car, it looks rough. You can tell that it needs a lot of work. But they set to work restoring the car and they often have the goal of just getting it back into the shape that it was when it was new. But every once in a while, they'll even add things to it to make it even better. For example, they'll replace, they'll replace drum brakes with disc brakes. And they'll add power steering and automatic transmission or put in new carpet and windshields. And so the car is not just restored to its former self. It's the same, but it's different in a much better way. So you could say that when an old car is restored, it experiences something of a rebirth. Well, the Bible has something to say about rebirth, not about old cars, but of human beings. And theologians call it regeneration or being born again. It's a major aspect of salvation. Titus 3.5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. John called it being born of God. In John 1, uh, 12 and 13, John said, But as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, 
who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So when you receive Jesus as your Savior and you believe on his name, you are saved and granted the privilege to become a child of God. Isn't that awesome? And it's not because of who your parents are, and it's not because of any works that you have performed, and it's not because of something that the preacher said or did. It's simply the work of Almighty God. And so I want you to take that understanding and and, and intertwine it now into the story that we just read. A man named Nicodemus came to Jesus in the middle of the night, intrigued by this man from Galilee. And Nicodemus basically said this to the Lord. I know you are a tremendous rabbi. You're a tremendous teacher who performs amazing miracles. And there's no doubt God sent you to us and God is with you. Now, that sounds really good, but here's the problem. Nicodemus said all the right things, but the one thing that matters the most, he didn't recognize Jesus as Messiah. He didn't recognize Jesus as Savior. He just recognized him as a good teacher and a rabbi and a miracle worker. And, and he needed to do more. And so I just want to stop right here and say to you that if you need to be saved, your first step is to view Jesus as more than a good teacher or a Jewish rabbi or the founder of the Christian religion or even a miracle worker. Your first step is to recognize him as the only one who can save you from your sins. That's the first step. You've got to see him as your savior. And so in response to this flattery, Jesus said to Nicodemus, he turned the attention off of himself back to Nicodemus. And he said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born again. Now, this baffled Nicodemus because he was thinking from an earthly perspective. I mean, can a 30-year-old go back in his mother's womb and undo 30 years of life? Can a 50-year-old go back in his mother's womb and undo 50 years of life? Now, we know physiologically it's impossible. But what if he could? What if you could go back and get another chance? What if you could go back and do things all over again and have a fresh start? Well, through the new birth, Jesus wanted Nicodemus to see that what is impossible in an earthly sense is very possible in a spiritual sense. And it would be more than a second chance. You know, if you're in sin but you get another chance to relive your life, you're just going to mess it up all over again because of the sin. So it's not about having another chance. It's about experiencing a vital change. And the new birth is about a vital change where you're a different person than who you used to be. And so with that change, you get an opportunity to live life in partnership with God instead of without God. You have an opportunity to obey God instead of disobey God. You have an opportunity to love instead of hate. You have an opportunity to serve the Lord instead of living selfishly. Being born again is a work of God that gives you new life. It's an inward change accomplished by the Holy Spirit. Let me just make sure things are clear here. Being born again is not adding religion to your old way of thinking and acting. Being born again is not going through the motions. Being born again is not living a life of disparity between Sunday morning and the rest of the week. Being born again is is not covering your sinfulness with water baptism or church membership or volunteering in a ministry or giving tithes. Regeneration is coming into a new dimension of existence. That's why in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, been saved, been born again, you could say the same thing there, 
Old things have passed away. All things have become new. There's a transformation that occurs. Now the assumption here is that human nature is corrupted by sin and in desperate need of help from God. And so I'm going to do a little preaching right here. Sinners don't need more education. That's not going to help them. Sinners don't need reformation. Changing somebody from the outside in doesn't work. There is no success through societal modification. Leaders have fallen short in their attempts with political, ideological, or philosophical alterations. You cannot stamp out sin with a worldview variation, behavioral regulation, or some kind of cultural mutation. There's only one answer for the sinner, and that's spiritual transformation. How's that for a play on words? If nobody else enjoyed that, I did. I had fun writing it. But it's true. You have to be changed from the inside out. Now, I saw something this week that I said, oh, I'm bringing that to the pulpit. I, 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 I was on Twitter, <laughs> and I came on a thread of a broadcast from CNN by Chris Cuomo. Now, I don't watch CNN. We'll just leave it at that. And I'm not a fan of Chris Cuomo, and I'm really not a fan of Chris Cuomo now. But I watched it over and over and over. And you can find this if you want to. Just this week, he recently finished his broadcast with these words, and I quote, If you believe in one another, and if you do the right thing for yourself and for your community, things will get better in this country. And then, pointing his finger up to the sky, he said, and I quote, You don't need help from above. It's within us. And he closed his broadcast. I watched it over and over again to make sure that I didn't mishear him. But that's a direct quote. So I know he doesn't listen to my broadcast. Unless somebody wants to forward it to him, I would love that. But with all due respect, Mr. Cuomo, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. And you need to stick to reading a teleprompter instead of trying to tell people how to fix this country or what to believe in or who to believe in. Because as long as sin reigns in the hearts of people, things aren't going to get better in this country. Things aren't going to get better in the heart of people. Some kind of radical change is going to have to occur that is beyond the scope and the power of our feeble attempts. A divine metamorphosis is required. And let me just tell you, for things to get better, you don't believe in yourself. You believe in Jesus. That's the only one you can, the message the world needs to hear is not believe in yourself. The message the world needs to hear is you must be born again. That's the message that this world needs to hear. That's the message America needs to hear. Nicodemus was an educated man. So that you don't miss this. This is very important. He was an educated man. He was a very well-known personality in town. He was connected you said Nicodemus, and everybody knew who he was in the big city of Jerusalem. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. So think powerful politician. 
powerful politician. He was a member of a prominent organization called the Pharisees. He was connected. He was someone people admired, respected, and listened to. He had a good reputation. So it didn't matter how much money he had. I'm sure he had a lot of money. He had power. He had position. He had renown. He was connected. All the things that we would look at from an earthly sense and say, this man is a success. And yet, Jesus looked at him and told him that he had to be born again. So what that tells me is that personal accomplishments and positions of power and education and wealth will never be sufficient to change your spiritual state and make you right with God. If you are rich or poor, you must be born again. If you are educated or uneducated, you must be born again. If you're a man or a woman, you must be born again. If you are young or old, you must be born again. If you are famous or nobody knows who you are, it doesn't matter. God knows who you are, and you must be born again. The message is still the same. Now, there is a mystery to the new birth. And Jesus compares it to the wind and the work of the Spirit to the blowing of the wind. And I know a little bit about wind. You know I like to fish. And when I go bass fishing, I pay attention to the wind because the wind can have a direct effect on the success or failure of a fishing, of a fishing adventure. There is a little saying that goes like this. Wind out of the east, fish bite the least. Wind out of the west, the fish bite the best. And it's true. I have one or two fishermen that might take me up on this, and I've had one or two disagree with me, but I've been fishing for a long time now, and I can tell you that nine times out of ten, if, it, if it's blowing out of the east, the fishing level goes way down. It's hard to get a bite. But if it comes out of the west, which is normally where the wind blows from where we live, then the fishing is usually pretty good. The wind can have an effect on a lot of things. Uh, I've been fishing, and I've felt the wind blow out of the south, and then it'll shift, and then it'll start coming out of the west. It can move from a different direction. Sometimes the wind will swirl. I play golf, and you check the wind when you're playing golf. If you've got a good wind behind you, you may have to drop down a club. And If you've got a wind in your face, you're going to have to go up a club or vice versa, I guess. You, you want to hit it longer. You have to think about the wind. Sometimes I've been in a hole, and, and all of a sudden the wind just starts swirling, and I can't tell which way it's going. That's the wind. See, there's a mystery to it. You just don't know how it works. The, the wind can propel a sailboat, but it can tear the shingles off your roof. And I think what Jesus was trying to say is you cannot see the wind, but you can feel and know its effects. And it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit and his work in the new birth. Being born again isn't about figuring out what God is doing. It's about having faith that he knows what he's doing. And you can't figure it out. Sometimes you, you want to figure things out, but with God, you just have to say, I may not understand how this works, but I know that it works. I remember I, I've preached this before, and G.E. Patterson said this years ago, he said, I don't understand how a brown cow can eat green grass and give white milk. And in the same way, I, he said, I don't understand how Jesus can take a black heart 
and dip it in the ruby red blood of Jesus, and it comes out white as snow. See, I don't understand how everything works, but all I know is it works because God works. And so you can hear the gospel. You can intellectually examine it. You can utilize your reasoning powers and sort through all the data. But when it's all said and done, you must simply believe and let the Holy Spirit change you. And you cannot see them, but you'll feel and know the effects of regeneration when they happen. I almost came in here singing, my God is real. He's real in my soul. My God is real for he has washed and made me whole. His love for me is like purest gold. My God is real for I can feel him in my soul. I cannot tell just how you felt when Jesus took and washed all your sins away. But ever since that day and ever since that very hour, my God is real for I can feel his saving power. I remember reading a story one time about an old country boy ran into an incredibly intellectual man and the subject of religion came up and the man found out that this old boy, this old country boy had gotten saved. He told him, so, well, I'm saved. Jesus saved me. Well, this incredibly intellectual and educated man just lit into this old fella and told him how all that's not true and tried to tell him how you can't believe in all that and, 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 and from an intellectual, rational perspective tried to dissuade this old boy. When he finished, that old man looked at him and said, sir, you're a whole lot smarter than me. you got a whole lot more education than me. But he said, you can do all the talking you want to, but it ain't going to do any good. He said, because I was there when it happened, and I guess I ought to know. He said, he changed me, and I'm not, I went down one way, and I got up a different, and I haven't been the same since. So, sir, just keep on talking, but you don't know what he's done in my life. He'll change you. That's the new birth. And so if you go to 1 John, and I could preach a whole nother message here, but I want to share this, and I think this is on the screen. In 1 John, John actually gives four results, four specific changes that are the result of regeneration. And I'm just going to preach these today because I think these need to be preached in church so that people don't think that you get saved, but you don't change. Number one, he said, you'll practice righteousness. That's, for, that's 1 John 2.29. If you're born again, you practice. You have a habit of doing the right thing because of God that's living inside of you. Now, counter to that is number two, you'll refuse to sin. You'll refuse it. There won't be a habit of sin. Now, everybody here knows you've been serving the Lord any length of time you're going to sin. You're going to do something wrong. It's, it's just because we have this treasure in the jars of clay. Sometimes we make the wrong decision. But incidental sin is one thing. You get that under the blood real quick and ask Jesus to forgive you. But when you have a pattern of sin, a lifestyle of sin, the habit of sin, that, that goes when you're born again. You want to know the root, just look at the fruit. And then the third thing John said is that you'll love your brothers and sisters in the Lord. You ever notice how church people, how, how born-again people, we just love each other? We act like we don't know each other. We might not even know each other. We love on each other. We're entirely different sociologically, economically, and, and as far as those, those statuses are concerned, we might be different as night and day, but none of it matters because the blood of Jesus brings us together, and you're my brother, you're my sister. 
I've gone overseas to Honduras, I don't know how many times, and gone to how many churches. I walked in a total stranger. Here comes the gringo from America. Head and shoulders taller above every, all those little Hondurans. But they'll love all over me and shake my hand and love on me and just act like they've known me their whole life. You know what it is? It's, the, it's because we're both born again. We love each other. We're family. And finally, you'll overcome the world. And when you get saved, the world's going to try to pull you back. The world's going to put you under intense pressure. The world's going to persecute you. The world's going to tempt you. You're going to have a major shift in your worldview because when you're not saved, you have a very sinful worldview. But when you get saved, you then shift immediately to developing a biblical worldview. And there is a clash between a biblical worldview and a carnal worldview or a secular worldview or a humanistic worldview. And so you're going to see a shift that's happening. And things that you used to think were one way, you start getting in the Bible and God works inside your spirit and you're going to say, "Mm, boy, I was wrong all those years. This is the way it is. This is what God says. Let God be true and let the world be a liar. And so it'll just change. And you'll say, well, what happens when they give me pressure? They come against me. You just keep trusting. John said, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. It's what you believe and who you believe that helps you to stand against the world like that old boy against that intellectual and say, you, could, you might throw all this philosophy and ideology at me, but I know what he did in my life. Matter of fact, you ought to be glad I'm saved because if I was that old boy that wasn't saved, I might just cold cock you right now because you're getting on my nerves. Come on, y'all, am I telling the truth? I'm sort of preaching Southern here, but it's the truth, isn't it? Let some snooty, snobby intellectual come up and rub a redneck the wrong way. That'll last for about two minutes. Come on, am I telling the truth? Yeah. How many of you know God can save a redneck? God can save an intellect. God can save the smartest to the least. Listen, it's not, what, it's not about those things. It is about the work of Jesus Christ in our life. I want the musicians to come. And I want to finish by telling you this awesome story that I read. Pastor Roger Fredrickson told this story. This is an awesome story. He pastored a church, I think, in Kansas. And he he said that they had like 100 Southeast Asians that found their way into his church. And one of those was a refugee from Laos, and his name was Mr. New, N-O-U. And he said that in his old life, you know, B.C., before Jesus, Mr. New was a wicked man. I'm talking about a wicked man. He had frequently beaten his wife and his children, often neglecting them while he was partying with other women on the weekends. He described his weekends, and this was, these are his words, as drunken orgies. And coming to the United States only worsened his lifestyle. He had a co-worker, if I remember the story right, that was saved and went to this church and he kept urging Mr. New to go to church with him and it made Mr. New mad. He wanted to be left alone, but this brother in Christ would not let up on the man. And y'all, sometimes that's what you got to do. You just don't let up. There's a man in this church that will tell you that we have a man that's not going to be the Jesus that worked with him. He, he invited him to church for two years. And Brad kept telling him, no, 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 no. And finally one Sunday, Brad, one week, Brad said, okay, I'll go. And he came to church. And guess what? He got saved. He's been a member and coming here ever since. So you can't give up. And this old man, this, this man wouldn't give up on Mr. New. And so Mr. New sort of made him mad, but to satisfy the guy, he went to church. So he started coming to the church. Well, then it was a joke to him. He thought it was funny. 
he made fun of everything. But one Sunday he came, and it was the time for him. And the Holy Spirit convicted Mr. New. And the gospel reached him with its power, and he felt the drawing of the Lord, and God began to deal with that wicked man, and that, he knew he needed to get saved. And that Sunday, Mr. New gave his life to Jesus Christ. And Pastor Fredrickson says that after that point, everything changed. He said that Mr. New told him. He went home and emptied the whiskey bottles in his house. See, when you get saved, you get changed. And then he started treating his wife and children with love and respect. See, when you're born again, you change. And then he made some friends with church folks. He started getting up early, like 5 in the morning, meeting with a group of church folks and studying the Bible. Started discovering the wonderful truths of the Lord and the Bible and the power of the Word. Started changing him even more and more, making him more like Jesus Christ. And here's the part of the story that stood out to me. This is what his wife said to Pastor Fredrickson. Fredrickson, she said, I don't have a different husband. I have a new one. Isn't that powerful? I don't have a different husband. I have a new husband. I'm just here this morning to tell you there is power in regeneration through faith in Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. There's power in the saving work of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for us gave his life for us, paid sin's price for us. We should die for our sins, but he died for us. And so if you are listening this morning and you've enjoyed the service and the anointed praise and worship has really touched you and affected you, and now you've heard the word and the word of God is working on you, and most importantly, the Holy Spirit is working on you. And like Mr. New, maybe you've made a joke about all this, but all of a sudden today it doesn't feel so funny. All of a sudden it feels real serious. That's because it's your day. It's your time. So you say, well, what do I do? You do like Mr. New. And you say, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. Take my sins away. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. ABCs, just accept, believe, and confess Him as your Lord and Savior. Accept, admit that you're a sinner. ABC, admit you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died and rose for you. Repent of your sins. Ask Him to forgive you. That's all you have to do. And then confess Him as your Savior and confess Him as your Lord. And the Bible assures us that if you believe the gospel, there's power in it to change your life. So, they're going to sing a song right now that I think really fits this. And I just want everybody here to bow your head. And while they're singing, if you need to pray that prayer, I want you to have a little talk with Jesus right now. Come on, sing it. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.